Wow. If we went home now, wow. I can't even begin to tell you the goings on to get to this place this morning. <laughs> My head feels like it. <laughs> God is so good. He is so faithful. It's Mission Sunday. I'm in a minute going to talk about safe families, and I've got some of the safe families team here today who I didn't know were going to be here, but thanks for coming. Did you know? And in job, did you know I was going to talk about safe families today? Did you? No. Yes, you know. <laughs> Jill, did you know I was going to talk? No. See? Andy and Jackie did. They're nearly in the team, aren't they? Anyway, we'll talk about that. You can make a difference. Yes. Say it. I can make a difference. It's Mission Sunday. And already this church is invested in missions. Yeah? God is good. And we've limited ourselves to a time each because I'm going to honour Trudy and I'm going to honour Marie this morning. Um, Marie is going to come and talk to us about Cambodia. Um, Trudy, Mexico, and I'm the local girl. <laughs> so, mission. We say the word mission and we think it's across the world and it's in other countries, and it is, but it's also local. So for all those who don't want to get on a plane, it's all right. <laughs> Although Rob's going to Rwanda. <laughs> Now, that's a joke because we had a great guy, Eric, come to us a couple of weeks ago. If you don't know that you're already invested in missions here in this church, then just think back to a couple of weeks ago when this people raised an enormous amount of money to be able to bless the people of Rwanda with Bibles. And amazing. And you know, all the years that I've been a member of this church, we have given... Because God has showed us to give. Yeah? yeah? And out of the giving, we have seen amazing happenings. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful things. We have seen it personally. Yeah? In our own lives, we have seen God meet so many needs miraculously. And we have sown that into you guys. Yeah? yeah. And you guys have seen needs met miraculously. That's mission. Yeah, that is mission. So I'm not going to talk for long. <laughs> That's a joke. You're allowed to laugh. It's better than Rob's jokes, isn't it? It's a nervous laugh. You got it. Anyway, I think we've got some technology, haven't we? I'm going to talk to you. Yeah, we are. Well, this is amazing because technology is not my strong point. But I came up with an idea, Dave, this morning, didn't I? And it's worked. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to talk to you about safe families. And this is what God led me into when I was going to retire a year ago. <laughs> and he, quite amazingly, this came my way. And God led me into it without a shadow of doubt. I haven't got my glasses. Have I? Yeah, I have. I'm going to need them in a minute. 
I'll put them on now, so I won't. Uh, yes, so amazingly, God led me into this work. And I can testify this morning, we make a difference. That's, that's honest. That is absolutely amazing. Differences that are made in families' lives. And before I go on to that bit, I, I want you to... I want you to... I want you just to say to God, God, I'm opening my heart to you this morning. Because I already recognize that so many of you are involved in so many different areas. We've got a food bank. That's mission. Wednesday mornings, a group of people go to the coffee shop over at Al's. That's mission. You see, I don't want you to have a confused idea of what mission is because we tend to sometimes switch off. And I don't want you to switch off this morning because there's lots of things that we do. I'm involved in a ladies' ministry within the city. That's mission. Yeah? You, each of you, are involved in different areas in your life. And if God has shown you to do those things, it's mission. And I'm excited this morning because I'm going to round up this morning with something I believe that God has said for us here in this church. And I want you all to know, if, are you born again by the Spirit of God? Yeah. Raise your hand if you are. Yeah. Then you're on a mission. Yeah? yeah? If you are born again by the Spirit of God, you're on a mission. Say to the person next to you, I'm on a mission. Now, by the end of the morning, you're going to be more excited about that. Yeah, I'm on a mission. Because, say to the person next to you, God has called us all to mission. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you a bit more about that as the morning goes on. So making a difference. Safe families. Um, we were funded um, to... This is our third year by Plymouth City Council. How exciting is that? Safe families weren't in the city. We're a charity and Plymouth City Council, somebody within the council came looking for us and said, could we come into the city, specifically tasked at that time to come along alongside the people um, that had experienced the awful tragedy of the shooting in the Kiam area. And so we started to come alongside families that had gone through that trauma. And we've made a difference. Wow. A massive difference. We've worked with the local police. We've worked with the local community. We still work with them. And we've made a difference. And because of the difference in the first year, they funded us for a year too. How amazing is that? And now we're in year three. And two weeks ago, we heard we're funded for another year. They love us. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It is in this day. Yeah, I'm so glad I don't hold the purse strings in Plymouth City Council because how do you spread that money to so much need in so many areas? But I really believe this is what God is saying. This is, this is God and he, he has come alongside. So I've got to watch the time, am I? Because I've given clear instructions, am I? Trudy, you've got to go... Oh, that's me, right? Well, 
Okay, I'm watching you. You're like, <laughs> so anyway, I'll shut up. Okay, so how do we make a difference? We make a difference by offering hope and belonging and support to children and families by loving the one in front of us. Yeah? We believe ever before we go in, that lives can be transformed. And I've, we've got some great... Anne and John are two of my amazing volunteers. Yeah, and they've been coming in amongst us uh, on occasion, but yeah, amazing couple, what they do. Jill is one of my amazing volunteers. I couldn't get rid of Jill. <laughs> one of our amazing volunteers. She too is working with families. Andy and Jackie have just joined us on the journey. The power of Facebook. I put a Facebook post up. If you'd like to join face, um, Safe Families, come along. So I went along to see Jackie. I bought one and I got two. <laughs> Because Jackie wanted to join, and Andy was at home, and he said, well, I think I might as well. So praise God, they're on board, and they're, they're amazing too. So God is good. And um, can we go to the next slide, please? Because me clicker won't work. Actually, I've got to say something before we go any further. I got this job, and I thought, yeah, I can do that. This is who I am. I worked for 27 years supporting mums and babies, homeless mums and babies, um, to be able to um, learn independence. Um, I make it sound really easy, but it was difficult. <laughs> and God was in it, and it was amazing. And he made a way, and gosh, I dread to... Well, not dread to think, but uh, so many families have kept their babies in their family because of the support that was offered to them, and the, the, the work still continues, and, and I'm grateful. So, it's in me, yeah? So I wasn't totally surprised that God said, you ain't retiring yet, because <laughs> it's in you, yeah? And so we aim to improve the lives of vulnerable families, and we're Christian-based. And our theme is about hope and belonging, and we want these families to be seen. We want them to be heard, and we want them to be understood. So you've got to be pretty good at listening. Yeah? Because they need a listening ear. And once you've got them, and they know that you're listening, and you're walking alongside them, I want to tell you we can see God move. We've got five values. One is we love abundantly. Two we believe in belonging and building community. Three, humility. We serve together. Not one of us has got it all. We need each other. We're team and we do this together. We know that we can't do it alone. So however are they going to do it alone? So we do things together. We've had some of that this morning. You know, we in our Christian walk can't do it alone, can we? We trust boldly. We've got the faith to believe that God can do this. And I'm talking impossible situations now. I'm in talking impossibilities. But you see, I believe in the resurrection in the life. And he has turned this impossible person inside out, upside down and the wrong way round in his kingdom. So I believe we can go and do that. Our people are living in isolation in our communities. And I'm just, just going to tell you Obviously, this young lady's not called Ashley, but we're going to call her Ashley. And um, her story goes something like this. She's a young mum. She she's really, really poorly. 
She's got a serious health condition. She's living on her own with two small children. And she's regularly having to go into hospital. But she's got no one in her life to support her. No family. You know, we are so blessed, aren't we? No church family. Nobody around her to come along and help. And she's got two children. Now... To say she's feeling overwhelmed would be an understatement. She's isolated. She can't keep up with housework and things. Her whole life is filled with worry. And we come along in slide three, and we and we do the things I just said to you. We come alongside. It's, it, do you know? It's so simple what we do. So easy. Just come alongside, and we listen, and we help by trying to understand. And we just make that friendship with them. And we say, we can see your life is hard. We can see it's difficult. But I'm here to listen to you. I'm here to see you. I'm here to understand you. And so we listen. Right, she's going like that to me. Go blimey, I better be quick then. So can we go on to the next few slides? You ain't going to hear alphabet say families. <laughs> Come and talk to me after anyway. So I want to tell you we've got loads of stories of hope. Currently now in the city, we've got an African lady who's due her baby this weekend. She fl- had to flee from Africa. She was in prison and she's made her own way over here and... She's got a three-year-old child, and we got a call from a health visitor last week to say that she's got nobody to look after the three-year-old child. And myself and I worked with a family support manager, looked and said, however are we going to do this? You know, we don't, you know we, can, we don't know how we can support, how we can help. One of my volunteers was approved. It sounds very strange, but they do have to jump through hoops before they can be volunteers. Last week, this lady that's a volunteer is from the Caribbean. She said, I'll do it. So lunchtime today, they're meeting up, and she's going to come alongside and support this family who are in desperate, dire need. She will come along, and she has said that she'll help out with the little three-year-old. Another volunteer is just going to come along and support mum because she needs to go in and have the baby, etc. And so we've got another volunteer. It doesn't mean one volunteer for one family. We might have another volunteer that comes in and puts shelves up. We might have another volunteer who says, I can't do those things, but I'm going to pray. It's amazing what God can do. And I want to tell you what's so exciting about our volunteers, and I do value them, and I commend them, and they are a representation here this morning of... We've got probably 22, 23 volunteers in the city at the moment. They're a representation of of the other volunteers, but they are are just amazing in what they do and what they give. And they believe and they pray and they see breakthroughs. But we've also got volunteers that aren't in the church. And that's amazing as well because, do you know, we are impacting them. They know exactly what they're signing up to. They know exactly because the training makes it really clear. And they know. And so we've got a mix of um, those that are in the church and those who are in the community that have got a heart of compassion. And I love that. They're great people. And so I'm going to bring to a close because I really want to honour. And we haven't gone through that. After all of that, we haven't gone through the whole slides, have we? But I'm just going to end. This is a two-minute video. And this just gives you a little idea of um, what we actually do as we come alongside a family. So sometimes we're asking people for time 
to spend, to be able to send a simple text message, to go and have a cup of coffee. You can also help if you felt led to do that by giving, because Plymouth City Council fund us, it's not enough money, and so we have donations. Sometimes people say that they will support a family for £10 a month. I was in an amazing situation, and I am drawing it to a close, in an amazing situation. At the beginning of last year, I sat in a meeting, and somebody tapped my shoulder. And I was in a ladies' meeting, and she said to me, are you, are you with Safe Families now, Wendy? I said, yes, we are. So she said... Um, can I just talk to you about something? I've been left an inheritance and a substantial amount of money was sown into safe families. I was only sat in a meeting, minding my own business. God will have you be in the places where he wants you to be so that he can move on your hearts by his spirit. And I'm not suggesting you do that, but I'm just giving you an example this morning that we, when we are um, connected to Jesus, when we are passionate about what we do, it doesn't matter where we are in what we're doing, the Holy Spirit will come alongside and he will sow into um, that ministry. And of course, the other way, and it's last on the list, but to me, that should be up there. That should be first on the list. We've got an amazing group of prayer supporters who get regular updates and they're able to pray. And I want to tell you, prayer works. Prayer changes things. Prayer makes a way where there is no way. Impossibility shall be because people pray. So you could, if you wanted to, volunteer in any of those ways. And very quickly, I'm just going to say, um, don't exclude yourself from it. I want to tell you some of the people. We've got semi-retired people that are volunteers. We've got retired people that are volunteers. We've got a GP that volunteers. I've got a nurse about to be a volunteer and a retired nurse about to be a volunteer. They, they, they are people that are busy. But do you know who God calls? Busy people. Why does he call busy people? Because they are people that are passionate to serve him in his kingdom. And I really am going to shut up now. If you want to know a bit more about safe families, there is loads that... Um, you know, we're able to share with you, and there's some stuff at the back which I'll show you, but I really want to honour Trudy and Marie. But before we do that, can we just play? It's two minutes long, this video, and it gives you an idea of what we do. I grew up in care because I lost my mum and dad when I was a kid. Being a single mum with two kids and, and not having much support, like family, because obviously I haven't got no family. I just wanted someone to understand me, like someone to help me, someone to actually can believe in me. Yeah, Peter and Vivian, they're, they're like helping with the children. Like if I want an hour to myself, they'll come up and collect the children, leave me for an hour, do what I've got to do. And then I got Sue and Ray that helped me with gardening and help just take me out basically to get out for a bit. She was very worried that she wasn't doing things right and maybe the children might be taken off her. And She'd never had the parental support, had she really? What she was doing, she was making up on her own half the time and, and she didn't know whether that was right or wrong. We, we volunteered for take the kids out, uh, but to see the kids growing up and for them to relate to you and know who you are, to know that we're giving time break as well. Because obviously I suffer with anxiety and depression, 
and obviously I can't get the children out, so I'm constantly with the children 24 hours a day, don't get like an hour to myself, so it affects my mental health a bit. I didn't have them, I think I've gone downhill, and I've already lost my kids. It's just nice to know somebody you can talk to when you need help. So especially with Ray, I'm always on the phone to him, how to put a curtain pole up, what do I use? He teach me how to use a lawnmower, the streamer, so I could do, be independent a lot more. They're really good people. They've helped me. And you know what, they never judged me for what I've been through and what I've done. Well, it's just a wonderful thing to do. Um, it's, um, it's just clearly God's will that these families should have help and should feel loved. It made me feel like I've got a family, that I've got an auntie and uncle, or a mum and a dad. So it's nice to have that bond with them. They do change your life when you're in a bad place, they make it positive, yeah, so you're not on your own. I'm excited to see them, because I know they're coming to see me, and I've got someone to talk to, like my family, really. Yeah, and they like my family. <laughs> That's a snapshot. It doesn't always look like that, but we make a difference. So if you want to talk some more, then talk to me after. I'll be great to tell you. Trudy, come on. No, sorry, Marie. It's Marie next. Trudy's the one who was telling me to shut up. <laughs> Marie. Marie has been in the church since forever. She wasn't very old when we first knew her. What a blessing this lady is. And she's going to tell us about some of her um, ongoing work. Although she lives here in England now, she um, is still very much involved with Cambodia. So she's going to tell us now. Yeah. Thanks, Marie. Oh, microphone, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I first went to Cambodia in uh, 1991, and um, I was working in refugee camps in uh, Thailand. So Cambodia is in between Thailand and Vietnam, and uh, they suffered from um, a genocide from 1975 to 1979 when three million people were killed um, and executed in the communist um, takeover, uh, communist regime. So uh, when we went to that country, um, I've got like some slides and that to um, show you. So I worked in Thailand in a refugee camp and the young people in that refugee camp, they all went back to Cambodia and we started up an income generation and craft skill training project, which was run um, like using Christian ethics um, with shops so that people would be able to have dignity with their own work, have a skill, have a job and um, depend like ha have their own finances rather than just be um, depending on people in the church or depending on outside mission funding. Uh, because in that country, if you like don't have a job, there isn't any welfare, there isn't any unemployment. During COVID, there's no COVID relief. There isn't anything. So I'll just show a couple of pictures. Um, this is um, a bit of um, Cambodian transport. So if you're going to be going, people are a bit complaining about they don't really like their car. Well, you can be, we used to travel and you'd be um, quite crowded on um, traveling from A to B. Not a lot of health and safety there either. And this is um, Phnom Penh City. This is just one of the market areas. Everybody uses motorbikes. When we first went there, there were a couple of Lada cars because they were, um, the Russians used to run that country. And um, here you go, you can have, like, you don't really 
buy a KFC, you go and get chickens like with heads on. Um, I'm sure that we would be able to, Rob would enjoy some of that. And um, going to the market, you have like a pig, he's just tied on there. Uh, one of the other things, there's a lot of um, ganja grown there because to keep that pig sedated on a, a motorbike, you'd have to give him a, quite a bit of cannabis. Um, so, <laughs> and we used to have to go, this is an oxen cart, it can take you, there are some cars and buses, and uh, the roads are still just starting to be repaired. Anytime a country has a war, it can put them back 50, 100 years. A lot of the country is, um, it's called the land of uh, sky and the land of water. There is, a, the country spread from the Mekong River, so there are a lot of lakes. And still from the wartime, there are a lot of landmines. So it's the, they have the K5 belt, which is the longest, widest mine belt in the world. It's probably not anymore, maybe Afghanistan has now, but they are still demining. So a lot of agricultural land hasn't been able to use. So we would have to train people to do things that were um, whatever was quite safe. But also, uh, because of all these mines and bombs, we would take the bullets and we'd melt them down and make them into jewelry. So that's how the jewelry project started. Um, here's some more KFCs on the, <laughs> on the way. And it, it looks a bit horrible, but uh, you, you probably, that chicken's had a much better life up till his last point. It's been running around doing its own thing. Yeah, and um, children usually take care of buffaloes, ducks. Uh, so this young boy probably hasn't got much of a chance to go to school. So there's a lot of um, difficulties with um, unemployment, uh, malnutrition, not much work. And um, it's quite a hard life, even from like when the children start as a child. This, um, this is one of the children from... We, we also have like uh, the project where we trained people to have jobs, but the young people were about this age when we knew them. They've now grown up. They've got shops. They then give tithes and offerings to their church who help more children who've also grown up. And then the next generation, uh, so it's really Christians helping Christians. So when we started with children, the, the younger people, they actually grow up. They have their children, and then they repeat what they've done. So they are employing they, they train that. So at one point, we had about 400 families employed. And uh, this is some spiders. You can have deep-fried spiders, triantulas. And this is the Great Lake, so there was a lot of fishing goes on there. And they have floating churches and floating um, villages. This one is a church there. It was a karaoke bar but it's now turned into a, a floating church. And these are big nets, so this is like a really big, it's a, a massive lake. And here is like the catfish, uh, and uh, these are big uh, fish that people like, that they catch, and you don't really go to like Asda or wherever you go to do your shopping. And this is a washing up bowl, so after church they would, um, do the dishes, so the children also borrow the washing up bowls and they use them as little boats. So one of these children, they catch water snakes and things like that. So they will be just doing the washing and doing their own thing. They're not really, uh, the young children usually look after, the older children look after the younger children.
And this is the national religion, is Buddhism. And uh, yeah, some of the people are quite, they might be quite poor, so they would often even put their children into the mosque. And every morning, there are sort of a couple of, uh, there are a lot of monks that have to get fed. So there will be about 150 to 200 monks in each temple. So that would be like if Rob and everybody, all the elders here, there's only a couple of them, but you might have 100. So that would you be have like um, Plymouth Christian Center, a couple of hundreds of pastors there looking for food and all of you lot. You, there would be quite a lot if you had all the churches in Plymouth off knocking on your door for, for food every day. And they have to give these offerings. They also have to give offerings to the God in the house and then all different things, so many ceremonies. So it's actually very, very expensive. And we have to be to, to keep this religion. So it can also be very burdensome to the people. And we did have some very um, pragmatic Cambodians, and we said to them, somebody, well, what made you become a Christian? He said, because it's cheap. <laughs> it's cheaper. And uh, it was, uh, but it's true. It's like very, very difficult. It's very costly to have to keep offering to idols. You have to offer a chicken, pay the monks, pay so many things. And it is a burdensome to poor people. So many of the poorer people do become Christians. And, so, and also, like, if somebody stood on a landmine and they had one leg, they would say, well, it was your sin from your last life. That's why you've got one leg. And then one guy said, well, I was a soldier, and, like, and now I fought for my country. I've got no legs, and I'm the sinner. And it would put the person who put the mine down, so many of the ex-soldiers then became Christians because it's like I'm being, like, it's a, the blame in the victim, like, I fought for my country, I've got no legs, and, and it's because I'm a bad person. So that often has, happens. Also, if you are like, uh, when bad things happen, it's always you must have done something to have incurred that. So, yeah, this is uh, another Buddhist ceremony. But do you see how uh, expensive these types of things will cost to make? And you would often see, like, old people or very poor people standing, giving their last pennies to to that system. Yeah, and these are also birds, these birds that you have to let them free. You buy the bird and then set it free to get rid of your sin. But one good thing about the people in that country, that religion that they have got, everybody acknowledges that they're a sinner. Everybody do doesn't have this thing that they don't, but everybody knows there's a God, everybody believes in a God, and everybody knows that they have sin, but they this is the way, so when you talk to them, they're very open because everybody knows they've got to get rid of sin. They have so many things to get rid of sin. And this is some of the, some pictures of how, as a Christian, how it is good also to be like a tent maker. This was, we had a beautiful shop. Uh, we would train people in silk weaving, silversmithing, card making, silk painting lots of things and then tourists would come and buy that the profit profits for that would then pay the staff um it wasn't everything free we had lots of bills to pay taxes to pay uh, so we paid the staff paid for the rent paid for everything like that and then anything that we had left over would also um used for donations training new people making a well something like that and then after the covids we had to shut that shop 
and we were left with this little tiny uh, vendor on one market, which was basically like nothing left. But like we were saying about resurrection, I thought this was like dead. The shop had completely gone. Everything was destroyed. But it's um, come back to life. Uh, so this is a little market that we're now in. It's called Made in Cambodia Market, where it's all like an artisan's market. And we started to repair it, so it's been repaired and up and running again. Um, we have like silver uh, metalsmiths. We have um, male and female metalsmiths. They were uh, and in a village, the people from the church, the young people and youth, uh, learn how to do the silversmithing, and then they can provide for their families. And they make, this is the bullets, and we melt them down and make them into jewelry. And then, one, one, this is um, the children. We have like a children's club, and we teach, we get them to learn like English, but also help with their uh, maths, etc. And this was one of the children who uh, was was the last generation of children learning um, at the at the children's club. They were moved from one area where they'd been living all of their lives. Some had been living there for hundreds of years. They were, the land was a big land grab and they were moved 60 kilometers. So I guess it's, you could just be living in North Plymouth and the government said, okay, now I'm gonna stick you outside of Oakhampton with no electricity, um, just off your trot and um, not, really any comp <laughs> not really any compensation for your land or anything. Uh, so uh, we have one church there now. Uh, it's a young boy. He's also our silversmith, so it's quite difficult getting the products backwards and forwards. So we had a big flood, um, so he got some cement and fixed the school. Um, this is the place where they were moved to, nice little villages with where they'd lived all their life. So they were just sent into the middle of nowhere with no electricity. Fortunately, they've got a little bit of electricity now, and we've put the, they've got the cement, and children mixing up the cement as well, and the church gave them some, uh, a friend of mine, her father, her father passed away, and she gave me about 1,500 pounds so we could fix the church and um, get song books, hymn books for the children. And yeah, they have their classes. Uh, this is also quite an interesting thing because even though it's a difficult situation that you're uprooted from everywhere and stuck in a zone in the middle of nowhere, they are now the only church and they're the only school and everybody has to go to their school and they're able to um, really be able to talk about the Lord there because people just have got nothing. And the children, they help each other with their... This was also a project that we had when we were in Simrit, when I was there. This is all different children, but it's really in the Bible. It says, teach up a child in the way he will go, and he won't depart from it when he's older. And this is the young boy who was in Simrit when he was a young boy in the church school. He's the one who's running the new school. And we do, I did lots of different projects. This was made, they made bugs with recycled spoons, because I always do a lot of art things. So we always taught the children to do this with songs. And they always found, like, even if they weren't Christians, they found they always remembered that it was a happy time and a happy place. And um, 
Yeah, we didn't didn't like say we, yeah the Buddhist children and the Christian can, children could go. So it was really a good way to spread the gospel. A lot of children they always have different types of pets. They've caught this parrot, um, and they had this little boy. His pet's a monkey, and the children they like um, yeah they go to the schools. It's, it's the, uh, mostly Christians are doing outside of this is in the new school we've got and we've got some praise and worship books for them bibles but very very basic and the other children go catch their dinners with catapults and they have like we teach like health hygiene washing washing hands etc um we get some like little snacks so it's a project that we've been working on it's not always easy being from from here i came back i didn't really intend to come back but circumstances were that that i now have to work in uk for the time being um, i try to communicate as much as i can with them and raise funds wherever i can we sell jewelry and online jewelry at the moment i'm working with um, a modern slavery team and it's like very very different but also our country is like now almost like a country with many refugees. These people were refugees and it's, it's impacting our country, our, our countries as well as other countries. So if you don't have the opportunity to go to a country like Cambodia or Africa, there are plenty of people coming from all over the world and if we don't go to those countries to preach the gospel, God will bring those people here for us to preach the gospel. Yeah, so blessings. Uh, thank, you. thank you. Trudy, if you want to know how to stay young looking, because these two girls don't look any older than when I first knew them. Oh, God. How many years ago? A long, a long time. <laughs> Got to be 40 years? Have we known each other? Got to be, hasn't it? Catherine's nodding at me. Got to be 40 years. So if you want to know the art of staying young, you know, go and do missions. <laughs> Trudy! Right, good morning. Right, I'm going to speed talk my way. I've set my... Uh, right. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I'm based in Mexico. I'm based in North Mexico in a town called Bochochi. And it's up in the mountains of the Sierra Mountains. And I'm with a small international group, and we work with um, the Taramara tribal communities. Um, and the biggest project we have this year is the construction of a church and community center. And last time I was home, you gave this incredible gift towards this building. And um, it has been such a wonder and an awe to see how God has provided for this building and with the different teams that have come up to the mountains to help us construct and build, and they did it all for free. And some of this, these teams have come from Chicago, El Paso. They've come across from the States and traveled all the way up to us to help. These people have been builders, they've been welders, they've been pastors. Everybody has just come and they have worked together as a team to get this building up and running. And, um, and it's, this is the second floor, so we didn't just stop at one floor, we've actually got two floors. And um, so downstairs, half of the building is the church auditorium. The other half is a kitchen and dining room area where we do a lot of social programs. 
upstairs, you've got smaller rooms, which is um, for children's classrooms, and it's for people to stay. Um, and recently, in December, we had a huge team come to us from America, and they were all Ukrainians, and there was 24 of them. And they came in these trucks with um, what I would call like horse boxes attached to it. And it was just full of all their beds, their sleeping bags, their food. They brought everything with them, cookers. And they came to us, and they spent five days with us doing outreach. And it was absolutely amazing. And they left with us solar panels, um, and they gave gifts to the local people. They did evangelism. They had this amazing um, Christmas event where they dressed up as Mary, Joseph, and they actually did this amazing um, uh, program for the community, bringing the gospel through a drama. Um, this is the construction as it is at the moment. Um, so it's still ongoing, but we use it. We, you know, there's no health and safety, but it's not like England. You can get away with it in Mexico. So we just, it's, it's brilliant because now we have a building. We can do programs that before we couldn't do because we were just out under the trees. Um, so the program that is my latest program, I set this up in October, is a program for the elderly of the village. And this is a very precious ministry. It's a ministry that I believe was really birthed out of God's heart. And these people are vulnerable. These people are often left alone in their homes because the younger members of the family go to town, go to cities looking for work, looking for jobs. They leave their elderly behind, but the elderly can be neglected. Also, some of these elderly women, they have very abusive husbands. Um, it's cultural, but many of the men are alcoholics. Um, we, we, we have a lot of addictions that we have to um, uh, work with. And um, these dear women, some of them have come into this group. And when they first came in, they were just so full of, um, like so full of shame that they couldn't give eye contact. They couldn't, um, this is just from October. They couldn't give eye contact. They would look at the floor or look at their cup, and they were just so, just so trodden down. And then over the weeks that we've been meeting with them and in this safe place, because for them it is a safe place, um, they, their countenances started changing. And one lady who just couldn't look at anybody and she would just be so withdrawn, she can now smile, she can laugh, she can give eye contact, um, and, um, and it's just wonderful, and it's beautiful to see how the love of God and the presence of God is just changing and bringing about change in these precious, and they are precious, um, elderly people's lives. And um, um, so we do, we do um, feeding, so it's like a, a good, hot, nutritious meal a game, a craft, um, and then it, we can assess their needs. And if they need the doctor, if they need a hospital appointment, if they need to see the optician, um, we can take them to that as well. Um, oh, this is just... <laughs> um, the man at the top with the grey hat, you shouldn't have favourites, but he's my favourite. <laughs> he's called Ernesto, and my nickname for him is Grandpa. So he's my adopted grandpa, and the whole village knows that he's my adopted grandpa. <laughs> Um, we had gifts given to us, which every person had, um, like a, it, it was almost like a quilt, like a big blanket. And the little radio thing was amazing because um, put into it, I, I don't understand all the technology, but put into it already was um, music, worship, teaching, all in Taramara language. It was really amazing. And they could take these little things home with them, and they can listen to, to everything in their own language. And, and it was brilliant. It was such an amazing gift that was given to us. 
Another thing we do is um, we, we work with children who are from either dysfunctional homes or children from the village that have netics, um, um, reading, writing skills, and, um, and we put them in small groups and we just do what we can to help them because it's important that they can at least know how to write basics and read basics. <laughs> um, I had the choice of being a teacher in one of the groups or of doing the, the feeding side, so I decided to do the feeding side. <laughs> so I feed them all. <laughs> um, since I last saw you, this is a couple from Ivy Bridge um, in here, just outside of Plymouth. And um, they came all the way to me in Mexico, and they did something called Emotional Logic. And this was uh, a program... Um, I was able to get missionaries and pastors from around the area. We all came together and they taught us about emotions and the useful purpose of emotions. And if you feel stuck in an area of life, how you can look at your emotions and they can help bring you forward. It was fantastic. And it was a time where all the pastors and missionaries could come together and learn together. And sometimes um, where I live, the pastors and uh, missionaries are very... Um, um, I don't know what word to use. They don't mix... They're like individual, <laughs> like this is my area, this is my kingdom, this is, you know. And to see them all come together and learn together, for me, was brilliant. And, and the other thing that came out of that was some of them are now meeting together and some of them are now praying together. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because I want to see that kind of unity and I want more of it. <laughs> and they also worked with children from dysfunctional families. And, and it was brilliant just to see these kids learn about how to, how to understand their emotions and how they can have a useful purpose and help them. And then what I learned from Trevor and Marion, I was able to go into a local school and teach the kids in the local school. Oh, this is the Ukrainians who came and they did a big drama presentation, which I just shared about. Um, we had baptism. So um, in our discipleship classes and in, this, in the church and the youth group, it's all growing and people are growing in their faith and they got baptized. And this was the first baptism we had and it took part in the village and it was in an animal trough. <laughs> and then after that, like... This was like in October or November. We had our second lot of baptisms. And this time, instead of doing it in the village, we took all the villagers to the hot spring. And we had baptism in the hot spring. And, the, and this is members of the youth group. And they absolutely loved it because they all went swimming afterwards. <laughs> um, another opportunities that I've had this year is... Um, um, working with people who are missionaries uh, in, in the area that are not part of our core team, but they uh, invited me to go with them to rural places, rural communities, and um, go with them and spread the gospel into very remote places. And it was just such an honor and a, a very incredible experiences to go to these places and share Jesus um, and make friends in these communities, and um, they have a they have the Jesus film in Taramara, and they show the Jesus film, and they give the gospel to these people who have never heard of the gospel before, and it's just fantastic how the gospel is going to places that are really unreached, and um, and you have to hike to these places. The road stops, and then you have to abandon your vehicle and hike, and you carry everything with you um, on your back, and then we stay in tents and. Um, these local people, they live off the land, so they grow corn, they, they, they have goats, they have cows, donkeys, chickens, you name it. Everything they have to survive is with them in these places. And this is their little homes um, um, in the rural communities, in the mountains. Um, this is a place called Bumaivo, and uh, I get to this place just twice a month, and um, it's a three-hour 
three-hour drive from where I live, and then you have to walk down a mountain to the river, and we meet with people down by the river. Five communities come together, and we could have 80 to 100 people or more, and we meet by the river, and we, we worship, we give gospel, um, we do discipleship classes for those who are already born again and want to know more, go deeper. And again, we have baptisms here. And because it's so remote, you'll notice their clothes are different. So the further away you go from town, um, the more tribal clothes they wear. But the villages that are closer to town, they're still tribal, but they wear more Western-style clothing. This is Edna and Kike and their children, Isabella and Milan. This is the... Oh, my 10 minutes are up. <laughs> All right, really, two minutes, two minutes. <laughs> um, and so these are... Fantastic people. I love them to bits. Um, they are the local pastor and his wife, and they are also in, uh, like the leaders of our team. And they are the pastor and wife of the church that we're building. And, and they've had a vision for that church for many, many years. And so just thank you because this church here is part of seeing their vision come to pass of this community building and church to reach not just Loma, but the surrounding villages as well. And even in the... Um, even in, the, I call it the AA program. So um, the old people's program is Ancianos Asombrosos, and it means amazing seniors, but the nickname is AA. <laughs> so our AA program, um, uh, even people from that program, they're coming from other villages, not just Loma, and they're coming in to, to, um, to hear the gospel and to, you know, to, to meet with those old people. And, um, and so, yeah, this is the pastor and his wife. Um, it's not always easy for them, so... Their names are Kike and Edna, so please pray for them because um, they really are on the forefront of, you know, um, bringing the gospel to villages. Uh, this is a Sunday service, so um, we meet in the church on the Sunday service. We got lighting because of the solar panels that were given to us. <laughs> and um, this was a precious moment um, because this beautiful rainbow, in fact, it was a double rainbow, and um, I saw this rainbow, and I was like, I've got to get out of the church and take a picture. And, um, and I just felt in my heart that when I saw this rainbow, it was just like reminding me of the promises of God, and I just knew that, I, I just sort of felt in my heart that God is drawing, drawing people into this place, and, and, and there, there's going to be like a, a, a big movement of God um, because of this building and because of what's happening in this area and, I, and that this rainbow was just beautiful and I was like it was just God showing me that you know I'm drawing people I'm bringing people in and it was like a sign for me and I was like oh thank you Jesus yeah oh and this is Lucia she's a really good help to me she is one of the main cooks who help with the um, uh, elderly program and I'm learning to do Mexican cooking from her She's really a blessing, and she's, really, she's hard of sight. Um, she doesn't see very well, um, but she is absolutely a blessing, and I love her to bits too. <laughs> so um, just thank you for walking this journey with me, and um, yeah, I'm rushing. So <laughs> back to Wendy. Thanks, Trudy. Brilliant. I'm going to send us home with a scripture. Thank you, um, Marie, thank you, Trudy. I could listen to them for ages, couldn't you? Their stories are just wonderful. And we are part of their story. I mean, they, you know, they heard from God and they went. Um, and then we sort of tagged on, really, <laughs> with our love and with our faith and with our um, desire to see them build 
over there in um, Mexico. Of course, Trudy, when she first left here, she went to the Philippines, didn't you? And, um, and then she was in Africa for a while and now in Mexico. But we followed Trudy and, um, uh, you know, it's been such a blessing. So bless you both girls. It's, um, it really is, you know, our honour. And you might be sat here thinking this morning, well, what can I do? That was good to hear. And I just want to share with you and send you home with something from the Word of God. You might want to check me out. I may not have it right. Matthew chapter 9. And I'm just going to do this in a couple of minutes. Better set your alarm, Trudy. <laughs> a couple of minutes. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And you need to see this. That's why I'm asking you to look at the word. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then in chapter 10, it says, And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And then it goes on to name the 12 disciples. And this is what I want to say to us this morning, because we can all make a difference. We are called to make a difference, yeah? And what I want to say to you this morning is it started in um, chapter 30, yeah, verse 35 that, that Jesus called his 12 disciples. So they were disciples. He called the 12 to go out and do amazing things, Yeah? He's called us to do amazing things for him. And do you know what a disciple is? The dis a disciple is a learner. Yeah, that's what disciple means. It's a learner. It's one who follows both the teaching and the teacher. That's what a disciple is. A learner. We're learning, aren't we? And we follow the teachings of the word of God, and we follow the teacher. And he called his disciples and he said, I'm sending you out to do all these amazing things, to preach the gospel. So we're all called, aren't we? We're, we're, all, we're all told to go because we're learners, aren't we? We're learners. We follow the teaching of the word of God and we follow the teacher, Jesus himself. For some, it's Cambodia. For some, it's Mexico. For some, it's Plymouth. For some, it's other places. Eric from Rwanda recently. And I guess you've got others in your life that you pray for and support, maybe in different parts of this world. And so they were followers of Jesus. And, and Jesus said, but 
Even then, he said, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Yeah? Now, I want you to watch a change now. Come into verse 10, chapter 10. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. We've seen a bit of the power of God this morning here in this house. Yeah, it's why we've overrun a bit. It's okay, isn't it, to overrun a bit? We were so organized, weren't we, Dan? <laughs> we were so organized. But we've overrun because the power of the Holy Spirit came amongst us. And that had to happen. People needed the power of God to break things. I tell you, you come into this house, you can expect the power of the living God to make a difference and bring a change because that's how it works here. And I'm not apologizing for it. And we've overrun and I'm not apologizing for it. Okay? Because the power of God is in this place. And he gave his 12 disciples power over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Now watch the change. Verse 2. Now the names of the 12 apostles, there's a name change. They were 12 disciples. In verse 2, they were called 12 apostles. It's subtle. Who'd seen that before? Shall I tell you what an apostle is? A sent out one. An apostle is a sent out one. You, you all said amen to being a learner, but do you know that you are also a sent out one? And do you know what the difference is? Between that chapter in chapter 9 and in that second verse, between becoming a disciple and an apostle... Jesus gave them power. He gave them resurrection power and they became the sent out ones. I love it. I'm excited about it because it's a wonder Rob didn't hear me shouting as I was reading this in the week. This is amazing. I want to tell you this morning, Trudy and Marie and me could not do the things that we do unless we have power from on high. That's the truth. Yeah. I know that in my life. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> the apostles were sent out and commissioned to do a particular role. But they could not do that role. You cannot be who God has called you to be unless you have had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus who gives you his power to go out and share the good news. Oh, hopeless. When you get it, you'll believe it. You will know it, and you will change your world. Yeah. They did it. We're doing it. Yeah? I know where the power in my life comes from. I know my weaknesses. 
I know without Jesus, I cannot make a difference. Impossible. And I'm going to upset a lot of you today because neither can you. It's the power of the living God and the encounter once off. No, 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 no. Time and time and time and time and time again. When you have an encounter with the living God, you will make a difference. You will make a difference. And Jesus gave them his power. He gave them his delegated authority. He gave them the anointing of the risen Jesus. Wow! Wow. It is good because, you see, that is why difference is being made. That is why. You see, along with his power comes the compassion. And I want to tell you, when I said to you earlier that the people we go to, they need to be listened to. They need to be prioritize the one in front of us. They need to know we understand. We may not have walked the journey, but we understand them. And without judgment, we walk alongside. Without the power of the risen Jesus, how are they going to know that? They've got to connect with me and with you. Their name changed the disciples from learner to sent out one. We're on a mission. I began the meeting with that. You're on a mission. Some of you don't know it. That's okay. I pray you get it. Because you're sent out once. Jesus did something really special with 12 ordinary people. I'm ordinary. 12 ordinary people changed their world. Twelve ordinary people didn't just listen and learn. Twelve ordinary people with it were endued, endued with power from on high, and they changed their world. What are you doing? What am I doing? <laughs> and there's so much more that I could be saying, but I'm jumping a lot. We've been commanded to go. If you're in Plymouth, you're being commanded to go. Whatever that looks like for you. That's Jesus sending us out. We've got to take that authority, the Spirit of God, because he's equipped us for the journey. And let's just read this little bit, and I really am going to be quiet. I know you don't believe me. Sending out the 12, verse 5 of chapter 10 These 12 Jesus sent out and said, go on your way. Do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans. I want to tell you, Jesus will tell us what to do, where to go, when to go. It's part of the power. It's part of the anointing. And I recognize in my life as I walk my journey that there are just some things not to do. Not to get involved with. Ah, but there's need. Yeah, but not every need am I meant to meet in Jesus' name. Be careful. 
Do you know why people in ministry go into burnout? Because they're busy doing not necessarily the things that God has asked them to do. And it's important we hear from the Spirit of God because it's our protection. And I tell you what, you'll know when you're doing what God has asked you to do because the anointing will flow and you will change your world, your situation in that moment. And so we're told to go because freely we've received. So we've been told to freely give. Oh, but I really want to sit home and watch that series on Netflix. And that's me. I don't really want to have to be doing this, God. And I haven't got what it takes. I just haven't got what it takes, God. (laughs) Carry on reading in that chapter. They took very little equipment. Yeah? They didn't provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts nor bag for your journey. Well... That's just the women. Nor, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy. Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire in it who is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, if they receive you, Let your peace be upon it. I want to tell you, the power that comes from on high brings into your life, into your being, a supernatural peace. I know I can walk into a situation that is dire, that is critical, that is impossible, and I know the peace of God comes into the room with me. End of. Because it's the power that comes from on high. That means you and me can walk into a hospital room where somebody is so ill or even dying and the peace of God is coming in with you. I want to tell you, we can change our worlds. We can make a difference because I am living proof. Two ladies this morning, living proof of God making a difference in their lives and being able to share the gospel. Let your peace come on that household. Yeah? And I pray that as I work with families. God, let your peace come. They are in torment. They're in anxiety. They're in depression. They do not know what weighs up. But God, let your peace come because it's supernatural and it is amazing. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. This isn't an emotional word this morning to try and get you to sign up for safe families or to do something. It's none of that. Because you see, at the beginning of the year when I started the job, this is what I said to God. Oh, I've got this job, God, and you've led me into it, but I can't do it. How do I drum up volunteers? Everybody in churches, and that's part of my role. I go around to churches. Yeah? asking if they'd like to be a volunteer. And it's a much better presentation than I gave you this morning (laughs) because it was very rushed. But I always ask God to give me a word for that church. And I always ask God to give me a word of encouragement for that leader. And I always ask God to do what I can't do. Yeah? He told me clearly in January of last year 
Do what I've asked you to do. And I'll do the rest. And guess what? We've had a year where all through this year I've trained volunteers from different churches, from different places. I've got an amazing bunch of people that honestly they bless me more than I bless them. God is so amazing. And do you know what's even more amazing? They get matched to families. Anne and John understand that story. John especially was, has been matched to a gentleman. And there are so many similarities there for you, aren't there? God is so good. God even does the matching. It is amazing. It is amazing what God does. I want to tell you, if you... Renew yourself afresh this morning to the God who wants to endue you with his power from on high. He will send you to places. And you might say, but I'm not able for whatever reason. I'm too busy. Or you may not be able to physically. Well, you can pray. You can pray for Trudy. You can pray for, for Marie. You can pray. And I want to tell you, it's not just praying. It's believing abundantly, amazingly. And some of you that are stuck at home, do you know some of our families, we have connect friends that don't physically go and see a family, but they'll make phone calls and send text messages. I guarantee in this room today, you send out hundreds of text messages in a day. They're about sending one to a family that just says, you know, you can do this. It's okay. I'm praying for you today. I've got your back. I want to tell you there are so many ways. I don't know what you're doing in your lives, but I want you to know today that Jesus says go and that you are a sent out one. You have learnt and learnt from the word of God. You are, I'm not going to do my impression of being full up. I've done it before. You are fat in flourishing. Yeah? yeah? And Jesus says, you're not disciples. You're apostles. And I'm sending you out because there's a world out there that need to hear what you've got to say. And there's a world out there that's longing to know, yeah, that Jesus is able to say, you have got the power of the risen Christ in you. We prayed that this morning for Catherine, for Sarah. We prayed that the power of the risen Christ, yeah, would heal, would set free, would bring deliverance and bring change. And I want to tell you, all over this land, uh, uh, this Safe Families is amazing. All over this country, there are stories of hope, amazing stories of hope. I haven't got the time to tell you all of them, but we are seeing Jesus move miraculously. And we've got the ear of the local councils and authorities and schools and you name it. God is in this. And I want to tell you, wherever you are today, whatever God is saying to you, you're a sent out one. Yeah? You're a sent out one. In G I've got a fly wandering down my nose. Did you see that? Out in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you're a... Stand to your feet. Thank you for listening. I pray a blessing on you today. I thank you for Trudy and I thank you for Marie. I thank you, Lord, for the work that they have continued to do. I thank you that you're their power. 
I thank you that your anointing is so many times broken a yoke when they have been in situations that have been so difficult. I thank you, Lord, that they are sent out ones. I thank you, Jesus, for your precious presence in our lives. And I pray this morning that you'll come do what I've not been able to do, but by your spirit, you can do in others. I pray, Jesus, that you would just minister and you would touch the hearts of each one of us. That we will know that we have the authority of the risen Christ upon our lives, in our hearts. And you've sent us out. You've told us to go and share the good news of your gospel to pray for the sick, to see deliverance, to see your name lifted up in whatever way you call us to do that. So, Father, I pray this morning that each one gathered here will know that they are the sent out ones, that they'll go home and read that scripture for themselves and they'll, like me, say, wow, wow. Father, you've given us the equipment we need. And we thank you this morning. I pray, Lord, your blessing upon everybody here. Be blessed and go in Jesus' name with the authority that has been granted to you from the living God.